What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Joey Morales Show, here to break down the NFC South today. Um, so let's jump into it. Got the Atlanta Falcons, who last year they went 4-12. Um, their 2021 win total sitting at 7.5 wins. Uh, both the over and the under are both minus 115. Uh, they lost wide receiver Julio Jones, uh, center Alex Mack, linebacker Keanu Neal, and running back Todd Gurley. Um, this offseason, really the only additions I saw were a couple safeties in Deron Harmon and Richie Grant, as well as a new defensive coordinator in Dean Pease. Uh, their top uh, draft pick is tight end Kyle Pitts. He is from Florida, first round pick. Uh, some positive stats from 2020. They were 11th and third down conversion percentage, 13th in turnover margin. Some negative stats from 2020. They were 29th in opponent guards per play and 26th in defensive sack percentage. Um, so their 21, 2021 strength of schedule is 30th, uh, again, 32nd being the easiest one being the hardest. So a pretty easy schedule for 2021. As far as 2020 though, it was pretty much a disaster of a, of a season for them. They started off 0 and 5, ended up costing, uh, head coach Dan Quinn, his job, as well as general manager, Thomas Dimitrioff. Both of those, uh, both of those guys are now out uh, with the Falcons, um, and pretty much had one of the roughest uh, starts to the season from a scheduling standpoint. Their first four games were home game versus Seattle. Seattle made the playoffs. An away game versus Dallas, who still had Dak Prescott. Um, then they had a home game versus the Bears, who made the playoffs. And then an away game in Green Bay also made the playoffs. So pretty rough start for those uh, for the Falcons for their first four games. Um, they didn't really have much problems on offense, per se, uh, they were fifth in passing yards per game. Calvin Ridley, I think, emerged as a pretty solid wide receiver one. Uh, went for over 1,300 yards, easily the most on the team. Uh, but the main issue, I think, really seemed to be on the defense. The Falcons were 2-8 and eight in one-score games in 2020. And just the fact that they even had 10 one-score games leads me to believe that their record is probably worse than this team actually was. Um, I think they just couldn't really close out games. You know, they blew the lead against the Cowboys. I believe they blew another lead versus another team as well. Um, they were 26th in defensive sack percentage in 2020, and it ended up allowing them uh, to give up seven yards per pass play, which was the third worst in the league. Um I think they kind of also were underwhelmed with their, their secondary. Dante Fowler, uh, Fowler Jr., um, excuse me, in the uh, defensive end category. Dante Fowler Jr. ended up having a pressure rate uh, drop uh, in 2020. In 2019, he was pressuring at a rate of 14%. That dropped all the way down to 78 in 2020. So I think considering his uh, contract's like $45 million or so, uh, that's uh that's not good. So, and then also they got uh, Todd Gurley from the Rams and his horrible contract. So I think it's no surprise that they couldn't retain more stars in the in you know, last season and going into this season. Um, so some thoughts on twenty twenty one. I think the offense will pretty much mostly be the same. Uh, you know, Julio Jones leaving is obviously a huge huge gap a uh, huge void to fill and i think they're going to kind of struggle trying to figure out their wide receiver two situation um but you know new coach uh, arthur smith he led the titans to fourth in points per game in 2021 did a phenomenal job turning uh, ryan Tannehill around 
Um, I think you should be able to get some production from the rookie Kyle Pitts, um, who actually might need to pretty much step up um, pretty pretty quickly into the Falcons' offense. Uh, Russell Gage kind of seemed to step in last year for Julio Jones in 2020, and I think 2021 he'll probably remain the number two receiver. Looking at the rest of the division, I think actually the Falcons have a little bit less question marks than some of the other teams. So, like, let's look at the Panthers and the Saints. Both of those teams are going to have new starting quarterbacks this season. The Falcons don't have that problem. And now they have a new defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, who I think is going to have probably one of the tougher jobs in the NFL. He is basically going to have to try to at least get this team from pretty much dead last to at least, you know, league average. Um, definitely needs to try to stop the passing yard attack, uh, the passing attack, and hopefully try to get some stops. I think maybe those additions of the new safeties, Richie Grant, Ron Herman, like I mentioned earlier, probably going to come in handy for him. Um, but let's uh, look at their schedule. So when I was going, one of the techniques I use when I'm going over win totals is to just kind of think starting quarterback for starting quarterback. And if you actually look at all the games they play this year, um, so week one they play Jalen Mills uh, or Jalen Hurts, excuse me, from the Eagles. Then they get Tom Brady, Daniel Jones, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, rookie Zach Wilson, Tua Taiga, uh, Vailoa, uh Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, and then week 10, they either get to play rookie Mac Jones or Cam Newton for the Patriots. Then they play rookie Trevor Lawrence, Tom Brady again, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo or rookie Trey Lance, uh, Jared Goff, and then Josh Allen. And then finally, Jameis Winston again. So I know that was quite a bit, but in my eyes, every single quarterback outside of Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, and Josh Allen, I would rather have uh, Matt Ryan outside you know, above them. I think Jalen Hurts still is uh, a lot of question marks there. I'm not sure if he's going to be as good as he was at the tail end of last season uh, when not a lot of teams had some tape on him. Daniel Jones is a eh, so-so quarterback, but he turns the ball over way more than uh, any team really wants. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we know he's a, uh, capable of putting up fantasy points, but I don't think he's ever really been able to quite lead a team. Um, and then you have... Rookie Zach Wilson, I don't really think that's going to be uh, much of a debate on who's who you would rather take in this season. Um, Tua, I think, kind of got babied uh, last year, and now they get to unleash him fully this year, and I think it's actually going to be a pretty big disappointment. I don't think he has the necessary talents to make it in the NFL in terms of just being able to press the ball down the field. Sam Darnold... Maybe maybe this is uh, the year for him after finally getting to leave the Jets, but I would still take Matt Ryan. So the point of all this, just kind of going through starting, starting quarterback, is that I think that the Falcons actually have quite a bit of an advantage in almost all of their games outside of four. Uh, so that's very interesting. And, you know, they went, again, they went two and eight in one score games. That's very frustrating for any team. You, even if you just assume that they're going to get better uh, from a head coaching standpoint, from a defensive coaching standpoint, I think that should at least get them back to like four or five and five, at least like middling in that category instead of two and eight, which is pretty bad. Um, so they're 
definitely going to need to get Kyle Pitts involved, I think, in this offense, and then hope that maybe Russell Gage can actually be a solid wide receiver, two, uh, wide receiver number two. And then they're also probably going to uh, need to improve that secondary and get a better pass rush. So I kind of like the over here. Um, I just think with the schedule that they have and just kind of um, expecting a little bit of a median regression from the one score game standpoint, I think uh, over seven and a half makes some sense here, especially if you just think that maybe there's some significant drop off with some of the other teams in their division, such as the Panthers and the Saints. All right. Speaking of, let's move on to the Carolina Panthers, who last year went 5-11. and 11. Their 2021 win total is sitting at 7.5. The over is minus 130. The under is plus 100. Um, they obviously lost quarterback Teddy Bridgewater in the offseason and got quarterback Sam Darnold. And then some other players that they got, they got defensive back uh, A.J. Boye and linebacker Hassan Reddick. Some pretty good uh, additions there for the defense. Their top draft pick, uh, J.C. Horn, cornerback from South Carolina with the first-round pick. Uh, some positive stats from 2020. They were fifth in passing completion percentage. Uh, it's kind of hard to take too much away um, just because Teddy's kind of like a check-down guy. He will often take the underneath route, so that that, cut, that number is a little inflated. Uh, and then some negative stats from 2020. They were 31st, second-to-last in uh, opponent third-down conversion percentage, as well as 28th in red zone scoring. Um, their 2021 strength of schedule is 26, so pretty easy schedule there. Some thoughts on 2020. I really just think they kind of had a lost season. Uh, I think they knew that Bridgewater wasn't going to be a franchise quarterback per se was more of a transitionary uh, period for them. And then pretty quickly into the season, they lost their best player uh, in Christian McCaffrey, just two games in and went five and 11. Some, I would say some positive stuff did come out. Uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are pretty good wide receiver uh, duo. It's a pretty good wide receiver duo. They both had over a thousand yards last year um, and showed they can, pretty much be one of the elite combos in the entire league, which is pretty impressive considering um, our expectations of those two players going into last year. Even Curtis Samuel had over 850 yards and three touchdowns. So not bad uh, when you consider that uh, the QB, you know, Teddy likes to often check it down. And uh, it, again, it resulted in them having a top five completion percentage. So it kind of worked out from them from a, a passing standpoint. Uh, looking at their 2020 schedule, the Panthers ended up having to play eight games versus teams that made the, uh, made the playoffs. Uh, that's quite a bit. Uh, so that I guess I'm the less surprised that they ended up going five and 11. Um, they also managed to keep 11 of their 16 games to one score and went three and eight in those games. So again, kind of like we mentioned with the Falcons, you can see that maybe trying to go back to at least just median four and five or five and five five and six, somewhere around there. That's should be where uh, most teams are at, but clearly the Panthers had some struggles, I think scoring in the red zone without uh, a quality running back, uh, which you often need uh, when you get that close. Um, things weren't really that good for the defense either. They were second to last in opponent third down conversion percentage. They actually allowed a conversion on almost 50% of third downs. That's entirely too much. And then the secondary themselves were actually 27th in passing completion percentage. So it's no surprise that the Panthers went into 2021 to address the defensive holes as well as the quarterback position. 
So I would say that the Panthers made an upgrade at pretty much every spot on offense, offense going into 2021. Uh, I think the jury is out on Sam Darnold yet just because he played with the Jets, but I think he's still a very talented player. And I think he definitely has a much higher ceiling um, with a competent team around him than Teddy Bridgewater did. Christian McCaffrey coming back will be huge, especially in the red zone. Um, CMC ended up only playing three games in all of 2020 and still scored five touchdowns. So remember when I said earlier that you need a good running back, a good running back play in order to score in the red zone. That's exactly where the Panthers were bad last year. And that's exactly where Christian McCaffrey can help this year. So that'll be nice to get him back healthy. Uh, I think so long as the Panthers can pretty much maintain the offensive line and get some good seasons from Cameron Irving uh, Pat Alflin, in order to keep Sam Darnold from seeing ghosts again, I think uh, I think you can expect a good year from the Panthers' offense. Um, but again, uh, maybe the jury's still out on um, Sam Darnold. Maybe he's not as good as he actually is. You know, was drafted, uh, but we'll, we will see. So on defense, I think that's where the Panthers actually made the biggest upgrades. AJ Boye, uh, he kind of starts the season. Um, suspended for PEDs, but will definitely be a breath of fresh air for that secondary that was 27th in opponent passing completion percentage. They spent their first round pick drafting another cornerback to get uh, another starter up there as well. Um, Hassan Reddick, I think, will also provide a pretty nice edge rusher to help on defense. So looking at the Panthers' schedule, they do have some soft uh, spots to start the season. Of their first 10 games, the Panthers just play one against a team that made the playoffs in 2020. Um, they're out of conference games. They have some really nice spots as well. They got a home game versus the Jets, an away game versus the Texans, an away game versus the Dolphins. All of those could be nice wins for them to pick up. You know, the, the market might be higher on the Dolphins than I am. I just don't think two is the guy. Uh, so I kind of count that as like a decent game for you for them to win. Um, they also get to be play the entire NFC East division, which is good uh, because you know, most of the teams in the NFC East are frankly incompetent <laughs> at winning games. Um, so I think really this win total just comes down to what you think of Sam, Dar- Sam Darnold. The offense has plenty of weapons. The defense should be better in 2021 than they were in 2020. Uh, they did pretty much everything they could do to make this team better in the offseason. Um, so as long as Darnold can play well, you know, everything – should work well for them. So if you believe Sam Darnold's a great talent, got diminished by just playing with Adam Gase, who often does that, then you'll probably like the over. Uh, If you don't, then you'll probably like the under. I personally am kind of just going to stay away from this. I think, I don't know if Sam's really actually that good of a quarterback, um, but and seven and a half, I think they probably get to eight. So that's probably if I had to pick, but I'm personally going to stay away from this. uh, Just yeah, just uh, too many, uh, too much of a change there from Teddy to Sam. I, I kind of want to see how this team works out for a year, and then we can address going into next year. All right, looking at the New Orleans Saints. Last year they went 12-4. and four. This year their over-under is set at nine wins, the over at minus 125, the under at minus 105. They obviously lost Drew Reese to retirement, and but they also lost quite a bit of pieces. Um, they lost tight end Jared Cook, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, cornerback Janoris Jenkins, center Nick Easton, and defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins. Um, as far as additions, I couldn't really find that many. Maybe I missed one. Uh, maybe I'm dumb. Um, but honestly, I think the biggest thing they did was just re-sign Jameis to a one-year deal. Um, 
I think that'll pay off well for them. And then their top draft pick was uh, Peyton Turner, defensive end from Houston with their first round pick. Some positive stats from 2020. They were second in opponent completion percentage, fifth in red zone scoring percentage, seventh in rushing yards per game, and third in passing completion percentage, as well as third in opponent yards per play. So really good statistics uh, out of the Saints from last year. Some negative ones uh, that I could find. I mean, it's kind of hard. I'd had to search quite a bit. Um, they were 24th in penalties per game. That's actually pretty high for, you know, you'd think a well-coached team uh, coached by Sean Payton. Their 2021 strength of schedule is 22nd, so leaning toward the easier side of things. Um, you know, and they went all out in 2020 for a Super Bowl. Uh, I think that Brady game versus Breeze was probably one of the better, you know, playoff games I've ever seen. Just as a football fan, it's so rare you get to see those two guys kind of go head-to-head. Uh, certainly a treat, but um, on offense, everything seemed to click. Uh, all those stats I mentioned above all helped them. Um, I think the combination of Drew Brees and Taysom Hill uh, kind of worked out, uh, especially when Brees injured his, uh, I believe, his shoulder. Uh, Taysom Hill still still led this team and still got them to fifth in points per game out of the entire league. Every single one of the Saints' is, uh, Saints lost – excuse me, every single game that the Saints lost in 2020 was by 10 points or less, which is pretty good. Uh, And even of their four regular season losses, only one was with Breeze starting. So I think Taysom Hill did a good job. And even when, you know, he wasn't needed, obviously Breeze did even a better job. Uh, The teams that they lost to, the Packers and the Chiefs, both made it to the NFC and AFC championships respectively. So again, Quality losses, that's what you like to see. You don't want to see games that they shouldn't be losing, that they lost. So that's a really good sign out of the Saints. I think, you know, just a quick note about the defense. Cameron Jordan's a beast. Cornerback Marshawn Lattimore's a great quarterback. Again, they held opponents to third and yards per play. That is remarkable. All right, going into 2021, I'm going to miss Drew Beats uh, playing, but I think it uh, provides an exciting opportunity for Jameis Winston. I think he should be able to win the starting role versus Taysom Hill, but that will be – it's going to be a little tough. I mean, he's going to have to not just walk in there. He's going to have to play well, uh, especially because Sean Payton does like Taysom Hill. But I think if Winston can get in there, he should elevate all of the weapons on this offense. Alvin Kamara should get a boost. Michael Thomas should get a boost. All of them – both of them are elite at their positions. Uh, so I think it's going to be important that if Winston can get in there that he can – maximize their talents you know Taysom Hill's not really that much of a down the field passer he's more of a short intermediate uh, thrower you just don't want to really use I mean Michael Thomas has been great in in that used like that when Drew Brees was here because his arm was weak as well but you should be able to use Michael Thomas at any part in the field and take advantage of that a little bit more but this offense is going to kind of struggle trying to figure out who their wide receiver two is going to be as well as their tight end uh, Traquan Smith, I would say, is probably the favorite uh, for the number two receiver spot for now. Um, and he's going to need to be able to stretch the field so Michael Thomas can kind of do what he needs to be able to do. Um, they also have little Jordan Humphrey. He was a great talent. He will also probably, I think, get to get some reps in at wide receiver three spot at some point. Uh, so I, I, as far as the offense, I really think this is Winston's last chance to prove himself. He has had a horrible reputation. He just watched Tom Brady basically walk into the same roster that 
Winston had for a couple years and lead that team to a Super Bowl. So he's going to have to step it up. And the last season that he even did start, he threw for 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. You just can't have that many turnovers and keep your job in New Orleans. On defense, I think things will also be the same. Cameron Jordan will be able to help uh, their first-round draft pick, help him develop. Um, he even may take away the job from Marcus Davenport because he Mark, Davenport only got 1.5 sacks last year. So if, if uh, Peyton Turner actually performs well, maybe in uh, the preseason, you actually could start to see him try to take away some snaps uh, from Davenport. Obviously, Marshawn Lattimore is still a beast of a cornerback. So I think that it was smart for the Saints to gonna go uh, all defense with their th- first three draft picks uh, in this year's draft. Expect a defense to – I would expect them to probably be within 10 plus or minus 10% of what they were last year. Um, and probably more on the minus side. I expect a little bit of a drop, but not too bad. The schedule actually seems good on paper if you evaluate all the opponents from 2020, but just many of them have very different quarterback situations this year. The Panthers are vastly improved, like I already talked about, from a quarterback standpoint, I think. Uh, The Cowboys get Dak back this year. I've already talked um, about why I think the Falcons could be much closer in games this year. So there's a lot of uh, teams that they're playing that they're just the raw win percentage kind of uh, makes it seem like the Falcons have a – or excuse me – Uh, The Saints have an easier schedule than they do. Uh, You also have teams such as like the Dolphins and Eagles who could play better with their quarterbacks in year two. I personally think that the Dolphins aren't as good as people think. I think the Eagles, that's that's more of a question mark. So just a lot of teams where the quarterback situation is either different or different than it was in 2020 or maybe improved slightly. Uh, So that's just something to factor in. I've compared the QBs in each game, like I talked about how I did with the Falcons. Uh, But for this team, I think it's a little bit more difficult because if you assume that Winston wins the job, I think that means he's playing well, right? He's probably not turning the ball over. He's throwing a lot of touchdowns. If you assume Winston plays bad, then Taysom Hill comes in and Taysom Hill, uh, you know, still did a really good job last year and, you know, kept a, kept from really turning the ball over, led them to a bunch of victories. So I, I think either quarterback is fine. And like I said, if, if, if it's Winston, then that means he's playing well, and that means they're probably winning games. So I think I trust Sean Payton to just be able to figure out some sort of game plan that you know elevates both of them, uh, especially one that can be designed around Jameis Winston to hopefully minimize his turnovers. You always have Taysom Hill there. He's always going to be lurking, always involved in the red zone. In, in short uh, yardage situations. So I think, um, I honestly think the Saints, after Breeze's injury, were honestly winning in spite of his arm, not because of Drew Breeze. So that's just something to keep in mind that even though Breeze is retired, I still think this roster was winning a lot of games in spite of him, not because of him. Their win total in 2020 was 10 and a half games. So if you basically just look at last year versus this year, you have some, I would call it minor holes that they have. I don't think the drop off from Breeze to uh, Winston is as big as maybe people think. Um, so I, the big, the books are basically saying Breeze is worth about one and a half to two and a half games uh, once you factor in the longer schedule because uh, their win total is sitting at nine. So again, this year the win total or last year their win total is sitting at ten and a half. This year it's nine, even with the seventeen game schedule. 
Um, so yeah, that's pretty much telling you that they think Drew Brees is about worth now one and a half to two and a half games. I can see probably more ways the Saints would at least get nine games, uh, nine wins, excuse me, rather than less than nine wins. Uh, so I do agree that that should be the favorite. Um, for them to basically win less than nine games, they would have to have Winston implode and then just be ineffective with the Taysom Hill offense. And I just don't really see that happening. I think either one, if Taysom, if Taysom, or excuse me, if Jameis isn't playing well, then you can put in Taysom Hill, uh, go back to the uh, sort of short yardage um, run style offense that they did, which was very successful considering their defense. So. I like the over here, especially because you kind of get that baked-in push equity of nine wins. It's not at nine and a half, just at nine. So I like the over there, uh, kind of your decision to bet that. All right, last team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who last year went 11-5, and five, their 2021 win total sitting at 11.5, the over at minus 155, the under at plus 125. The only notable uh, departures and gains that I could see is they lost right tackle Joe Haig and got running back Giovanni Bernard. Their top draft pick they spent on Joe Tyron, a linebacker from Washington. Uh, not sure I need to even give the stats from last year considering they went they won the Super Bowl, but I'll give them uh, still regardless. Uh, they were 22nd in points per game, 7th in yards per play, 3rd in quarterback sack percentage, 7th in opponent yards per play, First in turnover margin, first in opponent rushing yards per game, and 10th in opponent sack percentage. So some really good stats there uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, some negative ones. They were 25th in rushing yards per game on the offensive side, as well as 22nd in opponent passing completion percentage. Their 2021 strength of schedule is 29th, so kind of a good, uh, nice break for the Super Bowl champions. Might be able to actually repeat this year. So, you know, just kind of looking at, um, last season, I actually had a Buccaneers 10 to 1 ticket for them to win the Super Bowl, and I actually placed it after they played the game versus Aaron Rodgers. Um, they just, their linebackers are so fast that they can like snuff out um, a lot of quick plays, short passes. Uh, they have basically the speed of almost wide receivers and can kind of keep up with some of the passing um, or receiving running backs too. So, you know, when I had that 10-1 ticket going into the Super Bowl, I kind of thought about maybe some hedge opportunities. But given the Kansas City line issues, I just decided to let it ride. And I'm really glad I did. And that was one, you know, you try to, like, plan out what you think every game will be like um, before you watch them. And most times you're wrong or dead wrong or a little mostly wrong, whatever. That was that Super Bowl last year was pretty much exactly what I expected. I just I just thought that the the defensive line of the Bucks would overwhelm the offensive line of the Chiefs, and that's pretty much what happened. That was what decided the game. So I think Tom Brady did a really good job last year. Uh, now it's coming out that he had, like, I believe, a torn MCL, which is really impressive how he was still able to win a Super Bowl on top of that. Um, three of their losses were by three points or less. So three out of five, That's pretty. those are pretty close losses. I think Mike Evans established himself as one of the top red zone threats in the league. He scored 13 touchdowns last year. Chris Godwin missed some good, missed a good amount of time last year, but he was on pace for a thousand yard season. Even Antonio Brown and Gronk had good seasons. I don't know if just everyone felt like outperforming their age, but everyone really seemed to rock and roll last year. Ronald Jones almost rushed for a thousand yards. He had 978. I think he was the more dominant back than Leonard Fournette. 
And um, they're just going to have some good depth options, I think, at receiver and tight end, just in case anything happens. Scotty Miller had 500 receiving yards. He seemed to establish a nice connection with Brady. And then on defense, I mean, Devin White and Levante David brought one of the basically the best linebacker duos in the entire league. Um, the Bucks ended up having four players get six or more sacks last year. That's exactly what you need. That's exactly how uh, Super Bowl winning teams are made. Um, so everything pretty much rolled for them, and it's no surprise they won a Super Bowl. Um, I'm very surprised, just kind of looking at 2021, that the only notable loss that I can see was the right tackle, Joe Haig. And then I actually think they even got better on offense because they added running back Giovanni Bernard, who should be exactly what uh, they, they were missing a little bit out of the running game. I think Leonard Fournette was ineffective. I think Ronald Jones was probably the move, but they just you know couldn't help themselves but try to play a little bit too much uh, Leonard Fournette. Giovanni Bernard, though, kind of provides what those other two guys don't is some work in the passing game. He knows what he's doing. He's been a lot of years at the Bengals uh, catching passes as that kind of that third down scat back role. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I would work it out. If, if I was running the Bucks offense, I'd have uh, Rojo do first and second down work and then uh, Giovanni Bernard third down. On defense, I think, yeah, pretty much pretty much the same for the Bucs. Uh, Vita Vea is pretty much the reason why they've been able to stop the rushing attacks up the middle. He is just a beast when it comes to stopping the run. That's why they were number one in the league last year. You get Jason Pierre-Paul back. You get Ndamukong Sue back. You get, obviously, stuff Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Devin White. So you should have all the defensive end and linebacker talent to get you lots of sacks this year. Um, the only really issue that they might need to work on this year is to try to just improve their secondary. That was basically the one statistical category that they were pretty bad at. 22nd in opponent passing completion percentage, pretty low for a team that won the Super Bowl. Uh, so I think they'll need to improve that in order to repeat. Uh, like I said, the schedule is very easy for them. They have the fourth easiest schedule in all of uh, 2021 for the entire league. Um, they get to play the Saints without Breeze. They get to play the entire NFC East. Really the toughest game I can see that they have is a game versus the Bills, and even that's a home game. So it's kind of no surprise that the 11 half is, has been pretty much hammered uh, sitting at minus 155. It is juiced quite a bit. I think assuming Brady is healthy, they're probably going to be a favorite in pretty much every game that they play. Uh, so for the, o, the under to hit here, you would have to be basically banking on either he gets hurt or expect every single game that they're like favored by four or so or less that they lose and lose a lot of those one, one possession, you know, three point games. Um, Kind of a hard hard one because the toughest games that I can see they have are away versus Rams, away versus Saints, away versus Colts, and home versus Bills. Even if they lose three of those games, I like I still think they can hit the over, and that those would be their toughest games. So at minus one fifty five, they kind of have to win it. Um, they have to win twelve games, sixty about sixty one percent of the time for you to break even on your bet. I honestly think they get there, you know, sixty five seventy five or seventy percent of the time. So. I think uh, the over 11 and a half is a decent, a very good bet, and it's going to be my best bet of this entire division. So, all right, that is it for the NFC South. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Please leave me a five-star review if you are so kind. Until next time, have a good day, folks. Bye-bye.